Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Igracha sa fantastično jakim udarcem Sinišu Mihajlovića. The European Community's Peace Conference, widely seen as the last chance to solve the Yugoslav crisis, opened today with a warning from its chairman, Lord Carrington, that there are considerable difficulties ahead. Pančev, Pančev prema Jugoviću! Jugović prema Piniću! Just how considerable was demonstrated by an angry exchange between the two warring factions. Croatia's president accused Serbia of waging a dirty, undeclared war. Serbia's president said the Croatians were trying to install a totalitarian regime in violation of human rights. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, Jonathan Wilson is with me and with us today is Rafa Honigstein, football journalist and writer for The Athletic and contributor to BT Sport among others. Rafa, pleasure to have you in the studio. Pleasure is all mine. Now today we go back uh, to the European Cup semi-final second leg in 1991, Zvezda 2, Bayern 2. Zvezda of course going f- through 4-3 on aggregate to set 
set up a final between them and Marseille. But why, Rafa, have you specifically gone for this semi-final second leg between uh, Zvezda and Bayern? You have to ask Jonathan, because for me, it's extremely painful. <laughs> this game, I didn't want to be here. <laughs> wow. well, we, we, okay. we appreciate you very much being here, you know, we'll, being we'll, fodder. We'll, we'll let people behind the curtain. <laughs> the um, Iron Curtain. Th- this, is, this is maybe my favourite game ever. I think it's a yeah. brilliant game of football. And because Bayern and Zvezda, mm-hmm. and feel free to call them Red Star if you want, we're not fussy. Uh, because they played each other in the group stage of Champions League, we'd had a conversation yeah. ab- about the game in 91. And I said, do you want to come on and do it? So that, that that's why we dragged him here. To, <laughs> the sacrificial lamb, you know, Rafa Psychologically, it might be good for you to talk it, talk it out. Because you're a Bayern fan, of course, right? I, I left the house this morning and two men were waiting for me. They put a hood on my face. Was it the black car? Was it the black car, was it? If you've got contacts in Serbia, you might as well use them. That's what I always yeah, say. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Oh, yeah. But I mean, an extraordinary game and, and uh, against uh, two great sides, of, of course. Uh, I mean, so much to say, Jonathan, on this game. The background of, of this game, obviously more specifically for, for the Zvezda point of view, is extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, I think what makes the game great is not just that this is a, you know, the Zvezda team is a is a great team, um, but I think they knew it was the end. They yeah. knew if they didn't do it this time, they mm-hmm. would never do it because uh, you know, tensions in the region had, had been mounting for, for several years. Um, you had you had Slovenia and Croatia both declaring independence unilaterally in the months leading up to this. You'd had um, the first casualties of of the Yugoslav civil war uh, when the Croatian army clashed mm. with Serb militia in Plitvica National Park. Happened just after the quarter final. Then between the two legs of the, of the semi final, uh, Croatian nationalists fired ambush missiles in Borovacelo, which is a village outside Vukovar, where Snišić Mihailović grew up. So the, the the war is having gone from being extremely likely has become totally inevitable and has arguably already started. And so I think the scenes you see at the end of this game, when there's the most extraordinary pitch invasion, and it's this sort of there's a real sort of manic intensity to it, and people start ripping up the pitch, and you know they they take the pitch away as, as souvenirs, and you know, they rip down the the goalposts, and symbolically this is the end of Yugoslav football, and this team, although Zvezda certainly had strong nationalist elements, certain nationalist elements among their support. If you look at the team itself, it is a pan-Yugoslav team. Mm. There there are Serbs, there are Macedonians, there are Bosnian Muslims, um, there are Montenegrins, there there is a a Croatian, albeit one with one Serbian parent in in Bosnieski. So there's no Slovenians, but everybody else is represented. So this is, if you like, the Yugoslav ideal in footballing form. And that's why that final 20 minutes is the most hectic yeah. back and forth 20 minutes you'll ever see. Uh-huh. But we'll, we will get we'll come back to that. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Uh, I mean, Rafa, the, the, the game is, you know, Bayern uh, got a number of German, West German internationals. West Germany won the World Cup, of course, the previous year, 1990. This is a very good Bayern side. Yeah, this is a good Bayern side. Um, and for them, I think there was a similar outcome uh, as far as the team breaking up was concerned. But of course, they didn't really know it at the time. And there wasn't a political dimension to it. But this was a Bayern team and a club that had been, ever since 1976, obsessed with winning the European Cup again and had suffered some really fairly traumatic defeats and finals. The 1982 final against Aston Villa, the 1987 final against uh, Porto. They went close against Milan the season before, um, played pretty well. Uh, against one of the best teams in the history of, of European football. 
And they probably felt that, you know, Red Star, yes, they had some decent players, but we are buying. We have these World Cup winners. We have Kohler, we have Reuter, we have Effenberg. Augenthaler. Augenthaler. Um, it's pretty, Torn, Laudrup. I mean, yeah. it's a great side. Pretty, pretty good team yeah. with, with your Pankers, you know, being being a pretty young manager who but who was going places at that time. But it all it all kind of fell apart in the first leg. Mm. I mean, they, they go into the second leg. Well, the first thinking, leg is itself an extraordinary yeah, game. And they, they, because they lose at home and I still remember sitting in Olympic Stadium and thinking, you know, who are these? Oh, you were these? there, were you? you were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Who, who are these people? You know, who are these players? Um, you know, who's this guy who just always steps on the ball and drags it back and two Bayern players in midfield don't know what's going <laughs> just on. Gone. And he was, that was Pozinecki? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved the drag that, back. He had that one trick, but it just completely bamboozled Bayern. I mean, I actually... And he actually had a, a better ginger mullet than Effenberg did as well, which must have been very off-putting. Absolutely. I actually remembered um, Red Star better than they than they really were watching the, the first leg bag. I was surprised how good Bayern were for, for mm. some spells in this game. I just remember Red Star just being this unbelievable team, but they had enough for Bayern uh, in the first leg. And then, well, I think you know, it's worth talking days, about the first leg because the first leg is mm. a, you know, a great match. So uh, Wolfhard puts puts Bayern ahead. Great, it's a lovely goal. That mm. Little three ball, little sort of um, like little flick with the inside of his heel from Tone for, for Wolfhard, who then just dinks it over. Uh, yes, yeah, a great goal. Uh, and yet, probably only the third best goal in the game, <laughs> despite being a brilliant goal. Well, uh, Bayern were were kind of sucker punched, really, by the two attacks afterwards. Um, yeah, I mean the, the speed and the, the speed the way of the breakaway for the equaliser, which is just before half time. So Laudrup's been getting the right kicking from Marovic. Oh, he got some right treatment over the two. Legs, I mean, and Marovic was a even in in a Serbian context, he was seen as being a tough man. <laughs> uh, and so Marovic. He'd got booked. I think he'd been booked for foul, foul, for about his fifth terrible foul on Loudrup. Oh, he'd been off nowadays. But as soon as he gets booked, he starts playing properly. And he actually was a really good defender as well. Mm. And so he, you know, he reads the three ball. I think it's Torn's three ball to Loudrup. He reads it, dispossesses him, plays inside to Belododic, who was yeah, a beautiful footballer. Yeah. Um, and he he plays it to Pozneczki, who plays this fantastic pass, 60-yard curling pass down the line. Perfectly weighted to Grisha Binic, who by his own admission was was quick but couldn't really play football, sprints onto it, puts it across the back post, and Panchev coming in. It's the most. I just don't know how you defend against unless you just never attack. You can't stop that kind of break. I think you can stop it in 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 modern times when you defend more as a unit. I mean, okay, in, in those days yeah, yeah. when. This is one of the really surprising things for me watching those those old games mm. from they're not that old, but the spaces yeah, available. I, it's I just completely agree. I mean, not that it's thirty years ago. I know, it's but the game is history. so different. Yeah, you'd be yeah, right. So different. The sp- yeah, you, yeah, I completely agree. When you, you no longer see sort of strikers running uh-huh. from the halfway line towards the goalkeeper, completely <laughs> <Yeah>. unopposed, <laughs> which happened all the time. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true, but and then that is what brings the the Zvezda. Winner, as it turned out. Correct. But that, that Stoyanovich called that Zvezda's uh, moment of destiny because there's, um, uh, there's a, a cross whipped in, which I think it's Marovic on the chest. But it, when you first see it, it looks like it could be handball. Mm-hmm. And so there's huge appeals for penalty. It goes out for a corner. Uh, Reuter then scores from the corner, so pokes it into the back post. And the referee's already blown for push by Agnesala, right, which yeah. really is not obvious. Um, Zvezda lose the ball from a free kick. And then Effenberg gives it away and Bayern have somehow got sucked forward as if sort of being denied the penalty, having this goal ruled out mysteriously, they sort of mess with their heads. And um, 
is it Poznetsky who or Jugovic, I can't remember who who plays the ball through and Savicevic runs on and yeah, he he's alone in the Bayern half. And then the 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 finish is actually very like Mark Hughes' finish against Barcelona in the Cup Winners' Cup final. Yeah. The ball sort of pops up and it, he could easily have kind of screwed it somewhere, but no, he absolutely smashes it into the mm. bottom corner. It's a brilliant finish. What was the, when they, they came to town, you know, Bayern had drawn against them. They were, they were Bayern on, on the road. They'd, they'd beaten Porto on the way there, of course, the side that had beaten them a few years previously in the final. Um, now, we know the story goes because Vesda beat Rangers on the way, and as the story goes, Walter Smith went <laughs> over to scout for um, uh, as soon as and came back with the two word reports. Just said, we're fucked, you know. When he when he scouted Red Star, it was a bit like you know this side of pretty decent. And sure enough, I found himself three 0 down in about an hour, and, and, and sure enough, obviously Red Star went through quite handedly. But um, did, did, did Bayern when 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 Red Star turned up? What was the thinking with Bayern? Did they think, well, we should have enough here, or were they aware of the sort of reputation? Well, I asked Raymond Alman, who, of course, maybe is the critical figure now, as far as the second uh, leg is concerned. You know, what? How did you go into this game? Was there an assumption that this is just going to be, you know, a, a walkover because Bayern are Bayern and these guys are a red star? Hmm. And he was adamant that they knew about these players. Well, they had been... played Köln in the UEFA Cup the year before, so I mean, had uh, and, and they. I mean, that itself is actually quite significant for for two reasons. One of which we'll come to later, but the specific reason they were teen up and end up losing it three two. And Dragoslav Shikulovats, who was one of the the greatest of Zosha's players ever, was the manager. And he slapped a steward as as this kind of capitulation is going on, got banned for eight games. And that was the official reason for him being sacked and being replaced by Jukko Pekovic. Mm. But there was there was also perception he just wasn't really kind of a great coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody wanted to say that of one of the club's legends. And Shikulovats, uh, I mean, he died two or three years ago. I interviewed him. Uh, it's one of the weirdest interviews I've ever done. Cause I, <laughs> uh, I went to his flat um, and you can, old footballers often say, yeah, come just come out of my house. Mm. But he was literally dying of cancer and just lying in bed and he couldn't get out of bed. That's and there's that sort of stench of death around the place. Yeah. Um, and he was, the only thing he did like, all through the interview, he was just fuming about how bad Manchester United were. I was talking to him about... This is a very recent interview, yeah, it was three. Or th- yeah, it was just before he died, three or four years ago. Oh, um, which was it? Van Hal's Manchester United. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> Still angry. But I think I, I think I must have been talking to him because he played in the game in '58, the last game before the Munich air crash. You know, the game they were coming back oh, from right, when it crashed. Yeah. I think that's why I went to talk to him. Okay. Uh, and he he sort of said from then he'd have this love of United, and he would always it didn't matter who they were playing. He'd, he'd always bet on them to win, mm. and he started losing loads of money because. <laughs> Stop when he goes, and whatever you know, sort of whatever question I asked, he drew it back to kind of why are United so bad. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's Shakula. Yeah, uh, yeah. he, he got sacked this game against Köln. For Rafa, you're going to say, yeah. So Alman said, yeah, we knew they were one of the best teams in in Europe. We we had seen games. I think they had been briefed, but still, I think you can't help but be influenced by what's going on around you, and very much the um, the press and the, and the fans were all thought, you know, this this is Bayern's year possibly you know mm. they, they're they playing well they have the World Cup winners this is a really decent team they had nice balance there were some issues that um, we can talk about for the second leg as well about Augenthaler's position because he was a very aging player and he was still play, playing sweeper and initially Heinkes was was thinking how can I how can I get him out of the team because uh, I don't want to play with a sweeper anymore but um, in the end uh, ironically enough um, Augenthaler himself before the second leg said 
in a, in a clandestine meeting that they had between themselves, the players, <laughs> I'm going to go into midfield and I'm going to mark Prosinecki. And when Hankers found out, he was really, really unhappy. Mm. And he was back as a sweeper uh, for the second yeah, leg. Right, but, okay. um, so the assumption, I think there was, there was a line about the team being, being made of silk, which, you know, has connotations. The, the opposition, or? sorry, the opposition, oh, yeah. yeah, a red star. Uh, in the German press, which has connotations of beauty and everything, yeah. but a little Agility bit, yeah, a little bit lightweight and mm-hmm. probably not enough for this Bayern team, which made the, the Jeez, first imagine leg calling, calling Slobodan Marovic lightweight, yeah, <laughs> no, which made the first leg all the more dramatic. And I think what's important to understand for for maybe younger listeners is that in those days, if you lost your home game, it was basically seen oh, yeah. as, as you were the in big end. trouble. It's yeah. the end. Yeah. Even a one-one draw is sort of the end. I mean, mm. those you're thinking, you know, you have to go away from home. There is just no way you can turn these things no. around. Every game, when you come back from a bad result, a 1-1 or a defeat, is a miracle at that stage. And Bayern went into the second leg thinking about the miracle and we have to do some extraordinary amount of, uh, of football and good fortune. It's completely different to what we think about you know, in these days yeah. when when play when teams play each other all the time, well, the it doesn't really em- matter that anymore. The emphasis on away goals was far greater back then, which is why the away goals rule came in. Well, and teams would, I, I still remember very well, Bayern would go into these games against British opposition. For five years in a row, they were knocked out by British opposition or lost the final uh, with Villa. So from, I think, uh, 1980 to 1985, every single time they came up against British opposition, they lost. And they would go into these games, especially away from, thinking, you know what? Yeah, if we if we lose two one, that's a great result. I mean, that that was the thinking at the mm. time, even as German champions. And uh, so the two one was seen as a complete disaster. Yeah, well, the, I, I mean, a, a previous uh, Greatest Games pod when we spoke to James Horncastle about Milan uh, going away to Zvezda, they drew the the game one all, and that was seen as being Zero. an extra. Well, uh, yeah, the one one draw in 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 the American R was yeah. then seen as this incredible, yeah. barely comprehensible result. But they yeah. thought they'd thrown it away, ha- having drawn one all at home, yeah. even yeah. though it's all to play for. Now, the, yeah, we listen to that one back, we won't go into that. And, and, but I mean, one thing we should say is that, uh, although there was only sort of, uh, I think, five players who played in that Milan game played in, in this game, mm. uh, one of the players who was missing was Dragon Stoikovic. Yeah. So they'd upgraded in every area. But Stojkovic is the huge star who leaves. Well, he left for Marseille, so, of course. So yeah, so it's supposed to have this thing, the Zvezdina um, Zvezda, so the stars of a star, which only six have ever been awarded. Shakularats is one, Stojkovic is one, and then the, the sixth one is awarded to this team in its entirety because mm. it obviously goes on to win the European Cup. Absolutely. Um, so Stojkovic, his, his, his departure was a huge blow for them. Uh, but actually... He was replaced by, I think he was 21 at the time, Vladimir Jugovic, who, hugely talented player, played much deeper in midfield, and that liberates Posnecki. So he becomes much more of a playmaker. Uh, so it's one of those things where you lose your great player, but actually it makes you a much better balanced side. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the game then in the second half. Back in a moment. Radinovic is Radinovic is Binic! The best of the blizzard is out now. A perfect Christmas gift, I think so. 23 of our favourite pieces from the first five years of the blizzard for you, friends and loved ones. Everything from Socrates and Scotland to St Pauli and football smoking culture. Head to the shop now to buy the best of the blizzard at theblizzard.co.uk. Poco vi 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Greatest Games, everybody. Now then, we've talked a little bit about the first leg. Let's get down to the second leg. Uh, they're at the uh, the wonderfully named Maracanã Stadium uh, in uh, Belgrade. And, of course, the, you know, Reds are 2-1 up. Uh, two away goals. The mood is is good, it's fair to say. And, of course, Jonathan, Yugoslavia, the national side, had uh, choked a few times uh, in previous sort of tournaments. And, and Yugoslav club sides had not... They'd got to sort of latter stages a little bit, but no one had quite got there. They were known for, for sort of choking because if you think about those sides in history, they should have had their name well, on Well, let's go through it. They, they yeah. lost in three Olympic finals. They, right. they lost in... That was the national team. Mm-hmm. The national team had lost in the Euro finals in 60 and 68. Mm-hmm. Um, Partizan had lost to Real Madrid in the 66 final a game about which there's millions of conspiracy theories uh, Zvezda had lost to, to Bussi Mönchengladbach in the 79 UEFA Cup final um, five Serbian teams had lost in semi-finals of a, of a European Cup uh, Yugoslavia had lost in semi-finals of the World Cup in 1930-1962 and Zvezda themselves the previous year had been tuned up against Köln and had chucked it away mm. and it was definitely within within that Svechta side, I remember talking to Savicevic about this, and Savicevic is a difficult man to interview because he will not focus at all. Um, but he was saying that uh, one of the things that struck them about the first leg was how they saw with sort of five, ten minutes to go, Bayern fans began to leave the stadium. And they sort of felt, as that happened, this is incredible. Because they, they, they had this perception, and this might be Savicevic creating a memory later on, but the thing he mentioned was he, uh, his perception was German teams fight to the end and this is the sense that they'd given up. Like well, Rafa's dying to say something. <laughs> I should admit, I, I would have been one of those fans right. Right. 10 minutes early, but it had nothing to do with the game because in the old Olympic Stadium, you had about 15 minutes to walk until you got to your car. Okay. And if you only left for the final whistle, you'd stay in a traffic jam for about two hours. So going with my dad and my grandfather, who was a little bit slow at that time already, we would always go 
no matter what the result, mm. 10 or maybe sometimes 15 minutes early, would send the grandfather first and catch <laughs> up with him later. And we must have missed in those 10 years literally hundreds of goals. <laughs> but it was still better than standing oh, in the man, car yeah. for two hours. Well, Savicevic didn't realise this and he, he, t- he took a great... <laughs> Yeah, psychological sucker from, from this site. Whatever you can do to, to create any sort of propaganda. <laughs> you know? Blimey. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they go into the game. So, Rafa, just, what, was the, what was the mood then among Bayern? Were they going into this game thinking, well, let's try and, obviously, trying to win the game, but did they have serious hopes or were they thinking, right, hang on a minute, let's let's try and create almost a mini miracle here? Yeah, it was definitely talk of a miracle. Um, there was that meeting that Augenthaler called mm. in his uh, in his basement at that, those days. Everyone had a disco basement, you know, where <laughs> you had a little bar and everybody uh, should. probably a mini dance floor as well. I don't know <laughs> if Augenthaler had a dance floor. He doesn't strike me as that. Kind of <laughs> but they certainly had some drinks and those were the days where you'd met without the coach to sort of get together and pull together. I mean, this was a difficult, difficult dressing room with the likes mm. of, of Effenberg and Torn and Bender. A lot of big characters, but maybe not the sort of the, the best team in terms of the spirit. But they, they decided, you know what, this is this is a once in a lifetime opportunity here. We need to we need to pull together, need to make something happen. And they had this tactical debate, ultimately it was thwarted and Heinkes was already having a sort of tenuous grip on uh, on authority. Um later on Effenberg when Hankers was fired um, the next season, I think it's that year when Effenberg, or when it came out that Effenberg had this nickname um, Osram for Hankers. Now, Osram were the manufacturers of the most popular light Light bulbs because he would say that Hankers' red um, head would turn red (laughs) like a a light bulb when he got angry. (laughs) But uh, that showed you just how Lowe's standing was, at least with some of the players. And, yeah, um, as we said a second ago, it really was seen as this almost impossible task. Um, and there was a lot, I think, well, maybe not a lot, but there was some reference being made to this um, UEFA Cup quarterfinal, I think it was, against Inter, that Bayern had turned around. Um, that had gone down as a miracle in 1989, with Aumann being probably the best Aumann we'd ever seen at the San Siro. Um and that was a game that Bayern won in the second leg, having lost at home. And something extremely extraordinary to the same sort of level would have to happen for, for Bayern to go through to the, to the final. Yeah. So the, the game gets underway. And as you say, Jonathan, you know, the whole sort of background. Of oh, the atmosphere is extraordinary. Yeah. It was this great, it's a very odd, odd thing that the, the, t- the tunnel is not in the middle at the, uh, mm. the American now. It's behind one of the goals. And as they come up the steps, the camera there looking at the players come up the steps. And on the lintel, uh, you know, as, as they come out, uh, something's just—it's just graffiti. Just something's just scrawled, Zvezda. Yeah. And everybody's sort of touching it like it's the Liverpool badge at Anfield. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally just something with a bit of paint. It's not even neatly done. Yeah. Oh, so but it's graffiti it's, it's, almost. It is graffiti. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's not an official club thing, <laughs> but it, it sort of—I don't know—suggests the wildness of Belgrade at the time. Yeah. Kind of, and also, I guess, the connection between fans and players. If you want to spin it positively, but th- this was a. You know, it was a febrile city and a febrile stadium in a febrile city, and yeah, you know, the. I mean, I, I, I. And as you say, the climate at the time in the country, you can't, you can't um, dissociate that. Y- y- you can't, and also you, you can't I mean, people, sort of state people it enough. Say, uh, people who, who lived in Belgrade in that decade said that um, they've simultaneously never been as scared, never had such a good time. Yeah, that everybody went out every night and uh-huh. got absolutely hammered because you didn't know if you're going to survive the next day. <sighs> I mean, that might not have been quite the case at this stage, mm. but certainly by the time the bombings had started, 
But it's influencing the, the atmosphere in the stadium and that, yeah. that, that kind of cauldron atmosphere. And you can't overstate it enough how difficult it was for Bayern, having already been 2-1 down, to go into that very foreign surrounding in every sort of sense of the word. Yeah, and then and what happens come out, 24 minutes in, Yeah, um, Savicevic had, had come in for a bit of treatment, uh, gets fouled by, I think, Strunz. Uh, so there's a free kick sort of 30 yards out, 25 yards out. And Znish Bichalovic, who's playing in midfield, playing as left wing. Well, yeah, you think, obviously, Znish Bichalovic for years played as a, as a sweeper or centre-half, at least. Or a left-back, or but he was playing on left left wing. Yeah, with his with his flowing hair. Yeah, nicknamed Barbika because he had these sort of fluffy curls. <laughs> and he's only 22, but he looks younger. He's got quite a like, yeah. little chubby face. But he was still scoring free kicks he, in the early days. <laughs> free kick just clips the end of the wall. It's actually, it's strong to the end of the wall, it clips, isn't it? And, and uh, wrong foot down and goes in but his celebration you sort of see I've got this sort of fascination with Mikhailovich it's obviously kind of some difficult parts of his personality but he's a kid who's come from Bravicello he's, you know, he's, he's got a, a Serbian father Croatian mother he is sort of the, the epitome of everything that was difficult about Yugoslavia at the time mm. he'd spend his childhood smashing free kicks against the gate at home so his dad had to replace the gate every few months <laughs> the neighbours hated him um, so I, I went I can't remember when it was now, but uh, it was before one of those Serbia-Croatia World Cup qualifiers when he was managing Serbia. And I went to Brovacello and I found his maths teacher and some you taught him PE. And they're also like, well, he's obviously a brilliant footballer, but he's a complete tearaway. And the neighbours sort of you know, hated him because he's just every day just thudding this ball <laughs> against the gate. But practice pays off. it scored a goal in the European Cup semi-final. Yeah. And he runs away with sort of this huge grin on his face and sort of just clapping as if he's in the stands. And he'd... Yeah. he'd for the game against the Grasshoppers in the first round, he had paid for a ticket because <laughs> he hadn't been. A, you know, he'd only joined three months earlier from um, Vojvodina in Novisad, and you know, he said before the game, as he was sort of stretching, you know, leaning against the concrete in the tunnel to stretch, he'd felt the concrete shaking with the mm. atmosphere, and he thought to himself, "Sanisha, what are you doing? <laughs> Why didn't you just stay in Novisad and have a quiet <laughs> life?" Well, so. It's like a one nil up, and as you say, the scenes of celebration. It's very much hey, well, this is this is going to be a nice relaxing game. We're on the way to the final. A one nil lead, two, yeah, yeah. three three one lead, two away goals, and they all, and then they created some chances. And as you said earlier, Rafa, but sometimes watching games back then, the space that that, that was there and the way space to move the ball around, they it, it was almost we've talked about on a previous but it was it was an element I don't want to overstate it too much but it was almost like the first half or the first bit of the first half of like the 1974 World Cup final you know the way they're knocking the ball about creating chances they looked sort of superior to Bayern they looked comfortable they looked totally comfortable technically yeah. magnificent the pace they had in the side as you say they've got some tough guys in there they looked like they could do everything um but of course, it was it wasn't to be, and 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 so it was one nil at half time. One nil at half time, and then then Zvezda could have gone. They had a very good chance two minutes after half time. Yeah, uh, when Panchev is wrongly flagged offside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he even got the shot off, but he was clean through. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they'd gone two up, who knows? But they they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Bayern started getting back then? into it. Volfart has that incredible chance that Tolan basically just has to square it to him, and he pulls it back slightly too far, and Volfart's reaching for it. But you see from Stojanovic's reaction, Stojanovic thinks he scored because the cross has gone past Stojanovic. Mm. Volfart sort of just drags it a fraction wide. And even even when you're watching it on telly, it's not, you just assume he scored when you first see it. You, you, know, you think he must yeah. score. It's not quite clear. And you realise he's missed. It's an unbelievable miss. Yeah. 
But that's the start of this real buy and surge in the second half. Yeah, so the, the German efficiency kicks in eventually, although they were given a helping hand with the... I uh, wouldn't call them efficient. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well they, they come back into the I think there's the a bit of... It's just a winning mentality that kicks in at that okay. moment because you are basically beating... Well, their winning mentality and Zvezda's total fragility. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I don't know. I would have to ask one of the players again. I don't know how much they sensed it. But sometimes you can... I think the, they did. Because the you, you see the, the game... There's about 10 minutes when it's just an absolute... I mean, I'm trying to think of a different metaphor because it's inappropriate in the context, but an absolute bombardment. It's just chance after chance after mm. chance after chance. And you see Zvezda collapsing this was sort of so wait a minute, the Bayern pull you know equalize on the night they get to within one with a, an Aguantala free kick that goes maybe could have been saved <laughs> it's a trick it's yeah it's <laughs> not struck particularly cleanly yeah it's straight at Sarnovich and it just sort of it's all horrible just squirms yeah. under his body through his legs um Sarnovich is a is a very nice man he's very good at saving penalties mm-hmm. I'm sure he's a very good agent to the players. He's an agent too at the moment. But he did have a mistake in him. Oh man, that, yeah, that was a bad one. But but as you say, John, you know that that, that the history of um, Yugoslav teams choking and failing. It's, just, it's, it's like there's ghosts coming out of the pitch to, yeah. to kind of remind them. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's sort of if you want to, you know, go back to historical uh, precedents. At that point, it's basically Germany, France in the 1982. Mm semi-final where Germany are beaten they've got mm. nothing left to lose and suddenly France realised oh no you know yeah. what happens if we now lose <laughs> after having scored all these, these yeah, goals exactly. and we're, we're, we're comfortable here and I think that that sort of yeah. momentum kicks in mm-hmm. and then you know this Bayern team this was another thing that, that was interesting to see watching watching back the, this um, this game this was before teams had really sort of symmetrical lineups because there were men marking or at least Bayern were. So you didn't have to be in, in straight lines. So one guy was playing further up, the guy on the right was playing further back. I mean, it was a bit of a mishmash in terms of how they positioned themselves. But what this team had, they didn't have real wingers in the side, but what they had was a lot of powerful midfielders. This was very much sort of a midfield team and they would often rely on that power to just basically keep running and running. So Reuter, when, Strunz, Effenberg is a sort of heart of the midfield. Yeah, and then you've got Bender, who's not really sort of an awful Bombing on finger, from but Yeah, he's kind of sort of Peter Briegel kind of character, maybe slightly more technical, but not not really a winger in how we think of, think of wingers in these days. And that kind of power and that kind of sort of muscle at that moment becomes very, very dominant and, and, and sort of assert, uh, asserts itself against a side that cannot really keep the ball anymore, against a side that just maybe starts doubting themselves a little mm-hmm. bit, suddenly Bayern have the upper hand without necessarily playing, I think, brilliant football, but just kind of throwing man forward in this belief that we can still do it. Yeah, so the the Argentina goal, 61 minutes and 66 minutes, an Effenberg cross goes over two players. Shabnadzevich is clearly unsighted. The ball just bounces off him and Bender coming in from the left lashes it in off the post. It's a really good finish. Mm. And, and you sort of, you almost see face to melt of this sort of, oh, we had it and yeah. it's gone it's such a turnaround yeah and then, and then actually I think the moment that that flips it back not not to being Svejda on top because they're never on top again in the game no. but to being at least equal is just after that tone plays through Volfart oh. very similar to the goal he scored in the first leg <laughs> little dink over the keeper oh Rafa's sunk in his seat and like, as you see it go over the keeper <laughs> there's no way that ball doesn't go in Slanovic you can see him beginning yeah. to beat the ground because he thinks it's in 
and it just drifts in the air and mm. hits the pitch and just turns like a leg break and hits the post and goes wide. But the funny thing is, when it, when it hits the post... There's no funny thing about it. <laughs> no, absolutely not. When, it, when the ball hits the post, as you say, it's, it's going in, and then at last second, it, it doesn't. But Effenberg's coming in for the follow-up. I think it's Effenberg. There's a Bayern yeah. player. But of course, the way the ball hits the angle, it bounces out just beyond him. Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it's, it's an enormous slice of luck. Yeah, for, for Zvezda, they got away. He was such a let off. Yeah, one of the things I love about Sinovic is he's so expressive. You can see, yeah, you, know, you can see between the ball going over him and hitting the post. Yeah, the way he's just turned and his fist is up to punch the ground. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, they realise this is the reprieve, and that would have been it. And and yeah, and they find this because it would have been another away goal. Obviously, exactly. so that, that would have been the game this. over. And and they 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 find this. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what it is, but some other level, some other mm. part of themselves. Where they they can't control the game again. They're not they're not settled enough to do that. They're not emo- emotionally stable enough to do that. Mm. But at least they can attack. It was and rather that, open last twenty. And minutes. that last twenty minutes is the most extraordinary twenty minutes of football. It's just attack after attack after attack, one way then the other, and it, it's. Yeah. And there's, but it's a freak goal that wins the game. Do, do you think? Yeah. Well, but it, it, it's just like <laughs> <laughs> it was a rather fortuitous one, certainly. But but the quality on the pitch. You look at the players and and the football and the goals that have already been scored and the context of it. Blah blah blah. That goal. So the ninetieth minute. Uh, there's actually been a really nice phase to move and it ends with Prozneski playing at wide to Mikhailovic. Mikhailovic is a very good cross of the ball. We know he's a very good strike of the ball. Yeah. Not so much on this occasion. <laughs> he scuffs this cross into the box mm. and it misses Panchev. And Argental has got all the time in the world to do whatever he wants with it, control it, knock it behind for a corner. He's a little bit on his... His weight is on his left leg. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's he's true. stretching for the ball with, with his, his right, right foot. And doesn't get a proper connection. And he tries to boot it back where it's come from right. and slices it. And it goes miles in the air. Mm. And so you think Ryan Amelin goal's got loads of time to just sort of pluck it out of the air as it comes down because he's not under pressure there's yep. nobody you haven't got Panchev coming in with his elbows up or anything the and the ball near drops. him but yeah still he's, yeah, but it's not yeah. an, he's not going to get clapped there's no real challenge it's not no. Nat Lofthouse no, no. <laughs> and the ball drops and you suddenly realise Ammon's legs have got stuck Yeah, and there's this kind of he never really jumps up yeah he's, he's such an odd just one reaches his, for it. his feet are just totally rooted and he, he, he just and it's there. It's not like he's he's stepping back and back and back. And no, he's no, no, always no. plopped over his head. He's completely misjudged the, the flight of the ball, <sighs> which perhaps is understandable because the connection from Argentina is so freakishly bad that it spins with in a sort of an arc, yeah. with a back spin. Mm. You probably you wouldn't be able to replicate. <laughs> that, no, 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 that no. specific clearance, <laughs> if you can call it that, if you tried a thousand times, yeah. and and is just not ready for it. He's, he just thinks this is going to go over, this is going to go you know anywhere, but suddenly it drops just over his head and into the goal. And, and there's that, there that, is this moment of yeah, it's one silence of those, yeah, exactly. before people understand. Because it feels like several seconds of you know, you're sort of processing of <laughs> yeah. that ball's dropping under the bar, yeah. the keeper is stuck, yep. his arms aren't going to get there. Yep. But it's, I, like, it's like the referee's blown his whistle while the ball's midair and the goalkeeper's just kind of let it in. Yeah. Almost. There's an element of that. But uh, you no, know, because you can see him struggling and his feet just won't move. His weight off, he's just totally in the wrong place. And yeah. You can't. And then all hell breaks. And then it <laughs> sort of just dribbles over him and in. Yeah. And I think people in the ground can't have quite believed what they've seen. No one can believe what uh-huh. they've seen because this I, is just 
you know, for a German team as well to yeah. concede that yeah. kind of goal. But that match as well, just unbelievable. End to end, as I say, the quality on show, the goals that have been scored when something like that happens. But when it does sink in to the home faithful and the players, you have this incredible explosion of celebration. The, the substitutes are on the pitch. Prozanecki, as he's hugging a bloke, tries to almost sort of rip his head off in, in raw emotion. It's, in, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. The, the commentary is... You, I mean, you hear him go... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you can hear his throat kind of close mm. up and he can't quite... And then he just starts going, goal, goal, goal. <laughs> And, but he's he's totally hoarse by this point, and then you know, there's a few seconds of play left, mm-hmm. in which he just lists the face of the team. He doesn't do any other commentary. He's just going, Dragisha Binic. <laughs> Binic is nowhere near the ball. Zanisha <laughs> Mikhailovic. Just listing the heroes. But they've got and a... then the pitch invasion at the end. Hmm. The German commentary is worse. <laughs> okay. The German commentator, Uli Potofsky, was RTL, one of the um, commercial channels that had just really gone on air mm. a couple of years before. And they had the rights. And Bayern are attacking. I think there was sort of two minutes of injury time. Yeah, left. something like that. Yeah. And they get they do get forward, and and of course, a third Bayern goal That's puts it. them through. Yeah. But Oli Potovsky doesn't know this for some reason, <laughs> and says, "Oh well, Bayern attacking. Yeah, but it wouldn't matter anyway." <laughs> <laughs> and he says this a second time. And then you see, well, you don't see, but you see that there's a pause, and then he goes, "Yeah, well, actually, of course, it would have, it would have been fine, <laughs> second goal, but it's too late now. All right. They're out. <laughs> Thanks very much. And, That's uh, the kind of insight. I, I, it's not just because I saw this game recently again, but also do remember, uh, and I know a lot of people who watched this game felt the same. They were screaming at the television at this point." Because you know you always get upset with a commentator mm. when your team is losing. For whatever he does wrong, you kind of think, okay, um, at least I can vent my anger at him. And people were screaming, <laughs> screaming oh, at the screen at that moment, saying, what What are you talking about? It wouldn't be enough. <laughs> Taking the stick out of the moment. Um, but they, they, but they got over the line, George. And then and the pitch invasion yeah. is one of the most hysterical, euphoric. Yeah. And they, yeah, the, yeah if, you, if you go to Serbia now, you will... As Vegeta fans who are there will take you out into the garden and show you mm. the little little it, foot of grass they might Is it the sort of uh, scenario where 300,000 people claim to be oh, in yeah, the stadium? Oh, yeah, no it, doubt. It, it, no doubt. Much, much like the one true cross turned out to be about eight miles high. So yeah. this pitch was so, yeah, several yeah. thousand <laughs> yeah, hectares. Yeah, 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 exactly. Everyone's got a piece. Yeah, but it, as you say, it was the, the, the last sort of... The, the last great game yeah. of a Yugoslav side. And yeah. obviously the end of Yugoslavia as a mm-hmm. nation and... Um, but and, yeah, and, and it's the last great game to play because the final yeah. they won it was not a great game. There's all kinds of reasons well, for that, indeed, which we're not entirely allowed to talk about. <laughs> um, which is a great shame, but absolutely right. Uh, but but they, they, they do win the European Cup. Yeah, uh, they win it on penalties. And Stojanovic, he has a pretty nightmarish semi-final, has a very very good final, uh, and he's the captain. And then the team breaks up mm. and. Although they're actually within one game of reaching the final again the following year, but incredibly, because I think they'd lost some like eight players. It's just mm-hmm. everybody's dispersed because everybody wants to get out of Yugoslavia, and footballers clearly have an ability to get out that other people don't have. Yeah, but in pure footballing terms, it was amazing for those fans to see that game in that stadium and then go on the to win the European Cup in the well, last. I, yeah, and I still think that last twenty minutes of that, of that second leg. I mean, I, I don't know if the full games on YouTube. I, I 
I got a VHS tape I bought in Belgrade years ago. Well, we'll all come round yours. Yeah, but please do. <laughs> and, and bring a VHS player because I know I'm going to have one of them. Um, but I still think that's the greatest 20 minutes of football I've ever seen. I, wow. I can almost get emotional thinking about it because it's just so good. Yeah. Well, high praise indeed, Jonathan. Well, Rafa, we'll put you out of your misery now. If you want. <laughs> I just wanted to say oh, that um, I think I hinted upon this earlier, but this is also the breakup of the Bayern side. Right, okay. Um, because the next season... Um, there is still a bit of a hangover from from that defeat. Uh, Kohler and Reuter get sold to Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Effenberg and Laudrup are only there for another year, and they go. Heinkes gets fired. Yeah, Laudrup didn't play in the second leg. Do you know why that was? I kind of no, I don't remember. I mean, I know um, he, he might right... have been seen as a little bit light. I was going to yeah, say he, he got a right head kicking in the first leg. He yeah. had a reputation for sort of not turning up when it really yeah. got got mm. going. But technically, it was an unbelievable player. But um, so Heinkes gets fired the next season and Bayern appoints Søren Larby, um, former Bayern player, Danish uh, midfielder, as a caretaker. Larby, I think, is in charge for three or four games. It's an absolute disaster. Can't talk, can't express himself. Like the worst coaching appointment ever. Um, and Bayern are flirting with relegation all of a sudden. They're in 12th place, then 13th place. They get knocked out by Bronby in UEFA Cup 6-2 to lose the first, oh, <laughs> the first game. So it's a team and a club sort of in three fall. And uh, then appoint, then they appoint Erich Ribbeck, who's kind of saves them and, and steadies them. But it's it's a historic season, the season after, mm. because they're so bad that Uli Hoeneß, who's been in charge as a general manager since 1979, without anyone really overlooking what he does, and he's the guy who gets all the decisions right and always buys the good players and everything, is getting challenged and they are forced to bring in Rummenigge and and Beckenbauer into the into the club as president and vice president because there's so much opposition against Hoeneß, and that is actually the big blessing in disguise That's because the start of... that extra bit of know-how and stature and, and sort of a um, slightly different approach to many things then really builds the foundation for Bayern to go to a completely new level mm. over the next twenty years or so, but it was. It, it all starts with that defeat. Yeah, fascinating. Well, there you are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much uh, for listening to Greatest Games. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Rafa Honestein and uh, Jonathan, uh, as always. Uh, we're back next week, of course, uh, with the Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. See you soon. a Stakhanov production. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.